everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 69, Culture Shock, recorded October 17th, 2011. This week, Sean is going to regale us with stories of his new job. He moved from one of the smallest and one of the poorest school districts in the state of Texas to one of the largest and one of the richest. And I, I assume that had to be some culture shock. We were talking about it a little uh, earlier in the day, and so we decided we would uh, bring it to you guys while it was still fresh on his mind before they um, co-opted him and made him um, a big spending liberal while he's still a tightwad. We only have a little bit of time before the zombies eat his brain, and he'll be chanting, Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I already chanted that from before, <laughs> and, uh, and I have to I have to hit you on the use of the word regale. Regale, you because, like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it reminds me of a commercial that's running right now about uh, pulling your man card. Oh, that's a <laughs> that's not manly. Having grunt. a vocabulary is not manly. <laughs> We're supposed to grunt. Come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fire, fire, good. Right, right. So, uh, so Mark, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off into the warm up since you've got this first item? Well, this is a uh, one I'm calling strange bedfellows. Uh, it's relatively recently renewed, uh, renewed, announced, released. I put those is that, two together. Is that part of your extensive okay. vocabulary. <laughs> That's right, reduced. <laughs> hey, you didn't like regale, so I'm just going to make words up. Okay, um, all right. This is uh, an article from the Houston Chronicle uh, talking about Pearson and Google teaming up to create a learning management system, basically a Moodle uh, replacement, that functions inside and, and through Google Apps. It's currently being tested in a couple of universities that are using Google Apps um, with uh, plans to roll it out soon, whatever soon means. Uh, and it'll be a free LMS, as I understand it, not hosted by Google, but hosted by Pearson. So essentially, Pearson will be running the system, and it will simply interface with Google Apps. That's the way I understand it. Um, and I'm not really sure who's sleeping with the devil on this one. I don't know who to blame. Um, I, there's two companies that I inherently sort of have some distrust in getting together. I mean, Pearson is the bane of all tech people in Texas, anyways, existence. They, they pretty much own the state now in terms of testing and, and content delivery. And well, Google, and we're we're not the only. I mean, we're not the only one that that exists. Uh, you know, in a lot of places. Yeah, I don't know how. I you know, I can only speak for me. Uh, but then you then you add Google, who you know, I, I've got a mainline IV with their Google Kool Aid, so I'm I'm having a hard time with this. You know, I don't quite know whether to go. You know, bow down and and praise my new overlords or or run for the hills. I'm not quite sure, but it it'll be definitely something to watch. And as more information is available. Uh, I, we will definitely keep you posted and maybe get somebody on the show to talk about it. Yeah, because uh, there's one word in that equation that makes me cringe, and that's Pearson. Right. Uh, so uh, I really that, – that makes me nervous. I guess if it's just that one thing, I mean, you know, uh, that's, that's part of what's great about all the Google goodness is, you know, you don't have to use all of it. You can use one part or, or another or – uh, you know, you can piece together what you want. So uh, if you don't want to use this thing, then – you know, great. Yeah, the, the what I think is cool about it is they're talking about it's going to have all the features of, of like a Moodle or a Blackboard or these uh, systems, but with the ease of use of Google Apps, which really sounds like the perfect beast, right? Uh, but I don't know that I can trust it because Pearson is world-renowned for over-promising and under-delivering, whereas well, Google... Yeah, I'm I'm thinking it'll, you know, we'll finally have a CMS out there with really crappy support. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, what they're saying is it'll take the load off of, of people who are running their own Moodle server in that you won't yeah. have to run the server. Pearson will run the server. You won't have to manage it. Uh, so it'll be, I don't know. I, you'll just, just spend all that. You'll you'll spend all that time on the phone with Pearson trying to get an answer from somebody. Something like that. Well, have you ever tried to get somebody from Google on the phone? Well, that's yeah, that's even that's, worse. Yeah, that's true. That's pretty much impossible. If but, you it, know, how often do you have to do that? You if know? it can't be done through support.py, um, you, you just can't do it. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess it's one of those uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, just a quick side note uh, that doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but my, my Windows laptop 
has has taken a dirt nap. It's died, uh, well, temporarily, and I'm I'm back on my Linux machine again. And it was interesting. You know, I've always said so many times uh, that it's a lateral move, but literally, I was doing a podcast, the the One Meal One Workout podcast. Like I opened it up and noticed it was damaged, and so I ran back into the living room, grabbed the other one, and with just a second, you know, literally a second's notice, ran in and grabbed it, was able to do everything I ordinarily do. Uh, on the Windows machine in Linux, I'm not missing anything. It's a it's older hardware. It's not quite as snappy in the performance department, but uh, you know it it just co- sort of uh, buttresses the point that I've made a number of times that uh, uh, it's a lateral move between the two OSs. Uh, I had Windows Seven. Now I'm running back on Ubuntu. I think uh, 11.10. No, 11.10 just came out. 10.04 probably something like that. Okay. So anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't. I just wanted to. I just think it's interesting. But uh, if you have a uh, an ASUS G5 system, apparently they are known for the little the middle pin in the power jack just snaps off. When oh I, wow! When I started doing some research, actually, I was looking for the part, and I found that's actually a very common problem. And uh, ASUS is repairing that. They're taking those in and, t- and repairing them for. Uh, support, but I didn't bother to notice that until after I had ripped mine apart and desoldered it. <laughs> so now I don't think they're going to take mine back in for support. But I found the parts online for three bucks, and hopefully I'll put it back in, resolder, and it'll work. But anyway, if that happens to you, you're not alone. Apparently, that is a known design flaw in that system. Okay. So okay. that's all there is to that. Uh, I'm going to jump in here and say that uh, I have thunderstorms bearing down on me right now. So Yeah, when they if, pass over you, they're headed our way. So either one of us could lose power any minute now. Right. So if that happens, you know what happened. Or if you hear the booming in the background, uh, you'll know what that is. Uh, so, uh, All right. Uh, I'm going to jump in here and say uh, listener spotlight, those two words. Uh, we haven't done one in several months. I, I know we mentioned it a couple of episodes uh, back that we were looking to uh, start these back up. So, uh, hey, listeners out there, uh, I, I've posted a forum thread uh, there on our site at elementop.com. Uh, go check it out and uh, you know, put your hand up in the air. Uh, we've had some great ones in the past. Uh, we always love to get our listeners on and kind of shed some light into their, their corner of the world and the interesting things that they're doing. Uh, and it's time to get those rolling again. So uh, get on the forum and uh, let me know that you're interested and we'll get you scheduled uh, for a show. Oh, I don't know, probably in the next uh, three or four weeks. And so so uh, far, yeah. two of the people who've been on uh, Listener Spotlights now have their own shows with a third one, I think, about to develop. So, you know, hey, it could be your own show on the Element OP Network. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got to give a shout out to the chat room. Uh, we, we have a luminary among us tonight. <laughs> a luminary, huh? Yeah, you like that? You like that vocabulary? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay when you do it, but it's not when I do it. You can say luminary, but I can't say regale. Yeah, well, you can pull my man card, too. That's fine. Okay. Uh, so uh, I'm assuming that's uh, Steve Cherubino uh, in the chat room. So uh, nice to have you with us, Steve. Welcome, brother. F- podcaster extraordinaire. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Um, uh, I, I guess, lastly, uh, I wanted to jump out and uh, give a shout out to one of our other shows, uh, One Meal, One Workout. Uh, primarily because now with the change in my schedule, I've actually been able to start adding the workout part of that equation to, uh, to my overall fitness plan, I guess, as, uh, as Aaron would put it. So, uh, uh, that show has really motivated me. I don't know what it is about Aaron. I, the way he talks about things, very, very logical, very motivational. Uh, I, I really enjoy the show. So, you know, not not just because it's part of my network, but uh, uh, just as a listener, I really enjoy the show. Uh, it's also one of the few shows that kind of really has mass appeal, right, Mark? In only four months, it's become the second highest rated show and, and will probably surpass this one in the next couple of months. Uh, it, it's got a lot. Uh, it's got a huge listenership uh, compared to other shows that have been around for a long time. Yeah, and, and that's it. I think, you know, uh, one, it's it, it appeals both to men and women. So, 
uh, you know, we can't say that of all of our shows. So, uh, <laughs> so that, that's a good thing. Uh, I will say, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to somebody, uh, Julie, you need to check that show out. Uh, she knows who I'm talking about. So, um, but yeah, ladies, any ladies out there listening, uh, check out one meal, one workout. I, I really enjoy it. Um, it's still mostly a bunch of guys, although he does have some ladies on there, uh, that are part of his program. Uh, but, um, uh, just overall a great show. And if you're looking to maybe make a change or get a little healthier, uh, both in the way that you eat and the, uh, amount of exercise that you're doing, uh, it's an informative and motivational show. So, okay. On to the topic at hand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, from poor to rich, from small to big. What are the differences that you've seen over the last couple of days? You've only been there, what, right, exactly one week? Today was your fifth day? That's correct. Right. So uh, tell us uh, just your overall first impressions of your new school district uh, as being one of the uh, largest and, and most well-financially endowed districts in our state. Um, well, uh, I'm going to kind of try to do somewhat of a – a, a solid breakdown. Uh, so when I talk about things, I'm going to really do a comparison, poor versus rich. And uh, I've outlined some major areas. So the server room, the desktop environment, uh, iDevices, uh, software. That's got to hurt you, right? Knowing that you're in charge of the iDevices. <laughs> right. you, you die a little inside every day, don't you? It, well, you know, it, it's, it's been a learning experience. <laughs> I'll keep it at that. Uh, and then I wrap it up with overall impressions. So uh, let's see. Let me get back to the top here. Um, I'll start with the server room. And the server room is very impressive. I'm just going to say that. And uh, I'll talk about the rich side, uh, which is that, one, we've got about 40 to 50 servers and they are all Dell PowerEdge or almost all Dell PowerEdge uh, blade servers. So, you know, coming from where I came from, it's just, it's kind of like, ah, you know, <laughs> you see that, you see that room, it's glass, uh, it's glass enclosed. So you can actually, uh, you see the stuff all the time. Um, and it's just, it's pretty impressive, but I, I can only guess, you know, just how much money is in that room. Uh, it's crazy. Um, when I'm talking about uh, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about tonight, uh, I'm going to mention uh, warranty and support because that, that plays, you know, kind of a key role in uh, why people decide to go one way or the other. And, and on this particular one, I mean, I'm not, I don't have anything to do with the server room. And of course, I've only been there for a week, so I have no clue on warranty and support there. But I've got to imagine, just based off of how they operate everywhere else, that they've got some pretty, you know, strong warranty and support contracts in place. Um, and then the only other thing I have to say about the server room is uh, with that number of servers, there's three server admins, and that seems like a, a fair ratio to me. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Uh, what's that? Uh, roughly 15 servers per person? I, I guess right. that works. Um and, and, you know, tell me about the room itself. How big is it, and what does it look like? Um, it is, uh, I'm going to say it is probably about maybe a 15 by 50 room. It's kind of rectangular, very, very long. Um, they keep it very nice and cold in there. So as uh, many would suspect a server room would be, it's, it's yeah, everybody except the, the contractors I hired to build my server room. They right. don't seem to think that's necessary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th no, there's with all that hardware in that room uh, and there's not a lot of open space around them. Uh, it stays nice and cold in there. So they've got a pretty good pipe going in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, th I, that's the rich side. So Mark, you kind of touched on it already. I left the poor side of the server room open for you to talk about because that's really your baby. Well, I think a lot of people uh, in what we call the poor district or the small district don't even have a server room. It's the, the broom closet and they've got a rack at the top. Now, I feel right. I feel fairly fortunate that we have a dedicated server room, uh, but room is a generous description of the space that we have. Uh, in fact, we had to turn two of the racks sideways 
because they wouldn't fit in the room. They, the, it's when they get to that stage in building a building, they call value engineering. It's like, uh, <laughs> uh, that means what can we rip out to save money? And, and it seems like everything they value engineered was all the stuff that had my name on it. Uh, but yeah, our server room is tiny. It's really a closet with, uh, a very small air conditioner on it, as, as you know, Sean, that goes out, uh, pretty regularly. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cost you at least one server, right? Yeah. yeah we've, we have totally blown a machine. Uh, I got, I went in there one day over, uh, Monday morning, came in over a weekend. I don't know when it went out, but it was, we've got a little sensor on the wall. It was 187 degrees in there when I opened the door. Now that's hot. Yeah. That, that's hot. Uh, and we only have in our server closet, we have, uh, four servers, four, and and again, servers is is one of those terms that you have to use loosely. Uh, sometimes our servers are just large desktops that we call a server because they're serving the purpose of of uh, a file server. But uh, you know, in terms of those uh, power edge rack mount sort of things, I first got my hands on one of those just a couple of years ago, and I've I've been doing this fifteen years now. Uh, so it's 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 dif- different. But then again, our needs are different too. And we tend to sure. do things uh, by the bootstrap. Uh, you know, our friend um, Mike Grass, who's been on the show a couple of times, his goal is to have zero servers. He wants Google to handle it all. He wants to to have everything hosted. Like they they host their Moodle, they host their website, they don't do anything in house. Uh, and that's certainly a way to go. But his goal is to have no no Active Directory, no nothing, uh, no servers at all. Um, and then I kind of wonder what they need him for at that point. And but I think he would agree that this you know, maybe they, maybe he want his goal is to to work himself out of a job. So anyway, that's the the uh, the small. I'm not going to say poor. Well, okay, we are poor. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, the Taiwan side of things. And and you're right. I mean, Mark, you know, we do. I'm using the word poor and rich here, but you know, you could just as easily put you know large and small in there. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, you can also be small and rich, you know, and we've seen that we've seen small districts that have a lot of money. And, uh, so it, they may not apply the, uh, this kind of stuff on the same scale, but you know, the things I'm talking about in the rich category still apply. So, uh, you know, and I'm sure I, boy, I don't know. Are there, are there large poor districts out there that are really having to do it the tight wide way? Well, I can't you know, think of one hand. there are, you know, there are inner city, you know, uh, school districts that are definitely very poor and still uh, manage thousands of students. Um, but again, it's they're tightwad on a different scale than we are. They, they spend more money on their website than we spend on our entire budget and still call themselves poor. I think that right. Uh, I think <laughs> that it's a very relative term. Yeah, so you know we gotta gotta keep that in mind as we talk about these things. Is uh, these are somewhat uh, generalities, uh, and you know are going to apply to uh, these unique situations that we've seen. But uh, so basically, you know, standard I, I disclaimer: we don't plan, we don't pretend to know what we're talking about. That's what we're saying. Well, here. Yeah. you know, I think there's a little <laughs> a little bit of truth there for everybody, right? I mean, the, some of this is going to apply to to everybody, and all of it will apply to none. All right, so I, I'm gonna moving on to the desktop. I'm going to talk about the way we do things and the way most schools that are in our uh, sort of situation do things. Is is you don't have you, you're not a Dell shop or you're not a an IBM shop. Well, uh, now it would be Lenovo, I guess. Uh, you just buy whatever you can buy at the time, or, or some uh, some places build their own or, or or whatever, and you have a homogenous network because you've bought different things from whoever was the lowest price vendor at the time and you've kept them around as long as possible so you may have five or six or eight or ten different purchasing cycles in use at any one time and there's there's not this myth of the uh, um, uh, de- desktop lifespan what's the word for Re- refresh cycle that's it uh, right. the, the big people talk about refresh cycles and and the little people talk about spit bailing wire and band aids, so it's uh, it's just a whole different sort of thing. And and in our situation, uh, it does create some challenges with troubleshooting because you have to know the idiosyncrasies of each hardware set. You have to know all right, this this set over here is so old it doesn't PXE boot, so we can't use fog on it. We have to use a different tool over here. And this set over here, if if the power goes out. 
uh, you have to unplug it so that the power supply can reset, but the others don't have that problem. Um, so right. I can understand why if you had thousands of desktops to deal with, uh, it would make a lot of sense to streamline. But I think most most tightwads don't do it that way, and certainly we don't do it that way. Uh, we there is no we anymore. Certainly I don't do it that way. I'm all that's left anymore. Uh, but we have uh, you know, like I said, about a thousand computers and 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 me running them, and it does present some challenges. But that's you got to do what you got to do, and if you want to present your uh, your users, your staff, and your students with uh, platforms, then you got to do it that way. You can't just say, oh well. Well, and, you know, uh, talking about the, the whole kind of troubleshooting factor or just the, the volume of troubleshooting that you have to do, uh, it kind of just happens differently. You know, when, you, when you're working on a large scale and you have a, a single platform, uh, which is, you know, in my new district, that's how it is. You know, we're just it's an all Dell shop. I mean, all of our desktops are Dells and we might have uh, uh, slightly different, different models of the same hardware set. So, uh, what was that one that we had in Mark, uh, that test machine that we had, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it now. Don't, don't recall. Oh, you mean the Dell? Yeah. Uh, what is that model that they're, I'm blanking. Yeah. uh, Dell uses the same name for everything. Like Inspiron, they've been making Inspirons for 15 years and it doesn't mean anything. Right. Uh, Right. So, well, and that's. That's essentially where we're at. So we've got we've got kind of the same make, but uh, various model numbers. You know, as they bring them in, because you know Dell will come out with a new one, but they're all pretty much the same. Um, so it's not completely just you know a, a single uh, exact type across the board, but uh, very very close. Uh, now the problem with that is you know very often you know you're not going to have as many things going on. Uh, kind of here and there, like you do at the smaller district or the or the the poorer district. But when you do have something go wrong, it goes wrong on a wider scale too. That's true. So uh, then you know if you have a problem, you know a new uh, a new update gets pushed out that breaks something. Uh, now it's all hands on deck because the entire district is hosed. So you do kind of have that that you got to deal with too. Well, I, uh, I got also one of the the nice things about that is if if you've got a, you know, a GSX 260 or whatever, uh, a desktop, you can go google that and there are millions of people, uh, at least hundreds of thousands of those units all over the country and so if if there is a known issue with for example the bad capacitors that Dell had trouble with a while back, you can find resources on that. Whereas if I have a problem with my workhorse custom made 2008 model there there's no recourse for that it's the there i have the only 50 of them that exist on the planet right um i also wanted to to mention with these uh with these desktops uh because now i'm you know i'm in a district that's not using fog as it's uh is its imaging solution and i don't know what they're i don't know what they're paying for for theirs uh it it's good i'll give them that uh but uh, at the same time uh it's not quite as good as fog in my opinion and uh you know all the basic functionality is still there but uh, i'm sure they're paying a pretty penny for that uh so you know i don't know i guess that i put that in the hardware column but uh, it, it kind of didn't really fit anywhere else. <laughs> so so. Do you, have you seen that process of imaging machines there yet? Is it the same sort of process where you go to go to a website and deploy an yeah. image and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. We have a, we have a, uh, it, it's not web-based, so that's somewhat of a problem, but they've got the dashboard. So for people like me, the techs, if I log in on a machine, although I do have to log in, that's that's part of the problem with it not being web-based. Uh, when I log in as part of my logon, uh, I get that dashboard in my start menu. So that's fine. It's there, but, you know, uh, without being web-based, uh, you know, if I've got somebody else logged on or something like that, it doesn't happen very often, but I would have to log them off and log myself in so uh that's one thing but you know i would lay money on that it's it's ghost based because really all the same functionalities there the performance seems to be the same uh 
So, you know, in looking at the two, uh, I got to say, uh, you know, put a check mark in the fog column again because uh, there's something that's free and pretty much, I think, you know, probably beats everything else out there or at least matches up with it. Yeah, I, I, there's not a lot it doesn't do really well. Right. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I guess anything else you want to cover there on hardware, Mark? No, I want to get to this next part because I know you're <laughs> very excited about it. Tell me about all the iDevices, the iPhones, oh, iPads, yes. iTouches. Tell me about all the yeah. iTouches you have laying around. Well, I hear the word iTouch probably about 20 times a day. And uh, I cringe every time, and I don't even bother saying it because, I mean, I'm the one, and they are the many. So <laughs> we are legion. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to take take up that that fight. So I don't even say anything, but I cringe every time I hear "I touch" because Mark, there is no such thing as an "I touch." No, right? nobody has ever made a device, as far as I know, called an "I touch." Right. An "I touch" is so- when you put your contact lenses in in the morning. That's an eye touch. <laughs> right. So, uh, yes, uh, we have uh, a number of, and uh, I'm, I'm just so people will understand where I'm coming from. I support elementary campuses, uh, and I have four of them. So I, I'm getting to see a lot of it at that level. Uh, and we have a lot of iPod touch carts. Okay, uh, so there's plenty of that. There's uh, quite a quite a few uh, iPads are are out there now. Those are actually, I think, over the course of the last twelve months, have been kind of getting into circulation. So we're seeing more and more of those. Uh, even in the week that I've been there, there's been more and more deployments of the iPads. Um, and then also, uh, Macs, MacBook Pros are very popular, uh, primarily among the administration. So assistant principals and principals and uh, people in special ed, uh, there's a lot of Macs. Uh, so seeing a lot of that there, um, I you know, it's been somewhat limited, but my experience still is kind of confirmed in that all along, the best application I've seen in these devices has been in the special ed realm. Uh you know, kids with special needs that have maybe a, uh, some motor control uh, problems that, uh, you know, they they have a little bit of an easier time actually interacting with these devices. Uh, I, that's where I really see the benefit of these. Uh, I did walk into a classroom last week and there were there was a classroom of, I don't know, I'm going to guess there were fourth graders. Uh, lights were out. They're laying on the floor and they all have iP- iPads. And they're holding them up above their heads, and there's a night sky app, you know, where you can learn the constellations or whatever. And so they're laying on the floor in the dark, you know, holding these iPads up and uh, learning the constellations. So that's cool. And I'm sure there's, you know, uh, there's that level of engagement that people talk about. But, you know, I don't recall learning about constellations in the fourth grade. I don't, I don't, I still question, you know, is that, you know, important? Is that an important part of the curriculum? Is it $800 a device important? I don't know. Yeah, well, it's one of those things that could easily be done uh, with a number of, of free or open source tools on a laptop or a desktop. Yes, you don't get the tactile sensation of laying on your back and looking up in a darkened room, but the information is still there. You know, you could load Stellarium up on in the computer lab and do the exact same lesson at no cost yeah well and that's where i you know maybe i'm becoming a convert a little bit because i see, do I told see you. i told you yeah <laughs> i do see i do see in that particular application uh the advantage of that extra bit of engagement you know the kids are paying attention a little bit more they're probably going to get more out of that lesson if you want them to remember you know where orion is Uh, Yeah, I think the point to take from all of this is these things are luxuries that if you can afford the luxury, then go for it. I mean, if you can afford a Mercedes-Benz, go buy a Mercedes-Benz and don't, I won't criticize you while I'm driving my 10-year-old pickup truck because you can afford it. So, you know, if if that's a luxury, that type of engagement that we hear about at the elementary level and and then those those things are the buzzwords today are buzzwords of, of luxury. 
And if you can afford it, great. I If I had the option of sending my kid to a school where they had all the basics plus, as opposed to a school where they just barely scratched to meet the basics, you know, I'm going to pick the plus. So, I, you know, I'm not uh, down on them for doing that. I just have to wonder if maybe some people are spending their money on luxury instead of the basics. Well, and that's really the point that I want to make uh, in wrapping up the iDevices portion here is that, uh, you know, it's not like we have a classroom full of computers in every classroom. And uh, so, you know, it kind of gets to that point, you know, on the on the poor side, or at least at, at uh, your district, Mark, my previous district, we we had a, a much higher availability of of tech and the kids were on it more, uh, throughout the course of the day. Uh, so it was truly a tool that was, you know, it was a tool in education, uh, rather than, uh, you know, what kind of seems like a play thing to me. So, you know, I, I'm still a little torn on it. Uh, I, I think, you know, we could have a lot more tech in front of kids if we didn't have all those devices, but, uh, you know, the, there's also there's that engagement factor that uh, that everybody's going to talk about, and surely uh, I'm seeing it. It is there. Yeah, and when you do things my way, uh, we literally have computers that can't be used because there's not the physical space to put them. Um, and when you go for these more portable devices, that becomes a less of an issue. But you really do pay a premium for it. Sure. Sure. So let's talk about so, software a little bit. What are you seeing yeah. there in terms of, of what they have? Uh, well, uh, you know, I'll start off just with uh, paid versus free and open source. And uh, Rich, uh, I haven't, I have yet to see free or open source software. <laughs> I mean, outside of maybe websites. I mean, you know, I starfall is a great website out there for for the the small kids and you certainly see that because that's just so widespread in education so you see teachers maybe reaching out and, and accessing free websites but we're not using to my knowledge i have yet to see anything that was free or open source um, out there installed on any of our machines well, so do they, do they have at least chrome and firefox on the desktop uh, not Chrome. Now, uh, Firefox is there, uh, but it's not, uh, well, they have an absolutely clean desktop, so there are no desktop shortcuts whatsoever. Um, but uh, IE is default with uh, Firefox available. So, well, so there you go. There's some, some open source. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I, I guess that's a good point. So there, <laughs> there's the one. Uh <laughs> Uh, and, and of course, you know, on the poor side, that's that's how you get things done, right? I mean, you don't pay for software if you if you can avoid it. So, um, overall usefulness, I I gotta say, uh, on the rich side, you know, they're paying all that money, and overall, it's it's slightly better on average. Uh, the apps that I have seen, uh, they're a little they're more intuitive, they're more polished, uh, but only slightly. So. <laughs> You know, again, if I, I wish I had some dollar amounts as far as, you know, what they're spending on software every year, because I still think that if you took the dollar amount that they were spending versus the slightly better experience, I, I doubt that it's really worth that much money. Um, then we'll go on the poor side, which is the UI is generally less polished and there's a, a little bit of a bigger learning curve. Uh, so, you know. Again, I guess that maybe gets down to if you're with a large district, uh, those types of things can be huge. You know, if you've got to teach 2,500 teachers how to use something, uh, that becomes a big problem. Right. You know, and versus those, those become actuarial type equations at that point. If I can cut down my service desk calls by 15% by spending more, then that's, you know, and I do that uh, six times, I've saved a salary. So, right. you know, I, it, it makes sense in some ways uh, to it sometimes spend money in the front end and save it on the back end. Uh, that's that's the argument that is always put out there. I've yet to see any hard data on that ever. Uh, still, what ends up happening is even on the, the you know, the MacBooks, the, as intuitive as they are, there are still support calls and there's still roughly the same number of people in all Mac 
places supporting them as there are in all Windows places. Right. Yeah, so that's that's one that, you know, I, I don't want to be unfair because I don't have those numbers. But, you know, Mark, we've we've had those conversations with people before. And when we ask, present the hard data, you know, because they always make that argument. And when we ask, present us the hard data, tell us, you know, break the numbers down for us. I mean, obviously, you've got that argument and that's the reason you decided to go in that direction. Uh, so you must have the numbers. Break it down. And it, like you said, it never comes. So, uh, And on the flip side, know. when they ask for my hard data, it all comes down to the bottom line. It's all about money. And then, then you know, they rightfully say, well, all you care about is price and you'll sacrifice uh, function for uh, cost. And they're right. I will sacrifice function over cost as long as the basics are met. You know, again, it's well, the, yeah, but you, you know, you're also faced with a situation where uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, an all or nothing situation. I mean, you can't; you, the money is simply not there. So it's not like you can, you know, if you buy one really great app, well, there's three or four other areas that are getting nothing. Exactly. You know, so yeah, I once had a teacher. This is a good example. Uh, ask for um, I forget the tool, but she asked for a tool. That was roughly a thousand dollars per installation for the software, and I said, "Okay, for every location that you want to put this, I need you to give me three computers back, or two computers back." So my computers cost me roughly uh, five hundred dollars a piece. You want software that costs a thousand dollars for every place I install this software? You've got to give me two computers back. And and of course she didn't like that idea, but that's what it comes down to. Those are <laughs> those are the raw numbers that we have to deal with uh, when you're running on a shoestring budget. So you know, and of course I was intentionally trying to to, to uh, goad her a little bit, but you know she said I want this tool, and I said okay, which which three computers do I get to take back? And she said, well, none of them. I need them all. Well, no, you can't have all of them. Yeah, I'll, right. I'll go out and buy the software for you, but I need these three com- uh, three computers. You pick which kid doesn't get a computer. Right, and when you put it in the, that way, people understand. Well, maybe eighty-five percent functionality is good enough. When I can give eighty-five percent to everybody instead of a hundred percent to some. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, next item uh, up is uh, support, and uh, you know, on the rich side, uh, I've had some experience with this already, and I'm going to say. First off, uh, that highly touted support is generally bad, like most support. Uh, the the support that you're getting on items, so you know you, you you've got this warm fuzzy feeling because you got somebody there that's going to support whatever it is, uh, the hardware or the software or whatever. But you've still got a, a a heartbeat in a chair on a phone sitting there waiting while support does their thing. Uh, so. I don't see it as, as big a value add as everybody seems to think. Uh, but that gets down to my next point, which is on the large scale and a, a larger district. I don't think this necessarily has to do with money, but uh, size is you just get that kind of more of a corporate structure, more red tape and more corporate politics. And I just believe that support has more to do with having someone to uh, point the finger at. Right. As long as you can point at this person and say they failed then it's not you who failed, you know. Right. And in so, my in my situation, there there I like the way you put it here in the uh, in the notes. It removes layers of abstraction. There is the problem. There is me. There are no go betweens. Right. I either fix it or I don't. Period. I don't blame it on anybody else. I don't have an eight hundred number to call, and I can't say, well, I'm waiting to get a call back, or I've been on hold for the last five hours. It's me. And I have to fix the problem. Well, and this is a big one. I'm, I'm actually pretty passionate about this particular one on the support side because uh, on the poor side, you know, your IT staff are your support. And, you know, when I talked about uh, or I mentioned in the notes about removing layers of abstraction, you know, if your teacher or your end user has a problem with something, when they contact you, they're their IT person, their tech support. They're getting support. I mean, that's the person who knows the system, 
you know, very likely built it uh, and, and knows all the ins and outs of it. So there's there's a direct just kind of one to one connection there. And I just think that makes that troubleshooting process uh, much more efficient and accurate. Well, not uh, only that, but you never have the issue of not knowing who to call. You know, right. when you get bureaucratic, you, you have this department and that department, and it's kind of easy. Uh, you know, I've been in that environment uh, before, and, and it's, you know, somebody can call me, and if I don't want to mess with them, I can say that's not my department and know that they're going to have to go through four or five phone calls before they come back to me and realize it really is my department. You know, and you can, uh, I'm not saying I would ever do that. I'm, I'm just saying, for for example, one could, uh, but in a situation where your text and your support and and your purchasing agent, when they're all the same person, uh, that doesn't happen. You know, the buck stops at my desk, and that's just right. kind of the way it is. And I would like to have some layers of abstraction someday. You know, like today when I had laptop guts scattered out all in front of me and another machine running spin right to my left and another machine uh, updating uh, a server stuff to my right and phones ringing off the hook, I would like to have some layers of abstraction. That would be nice <laughs> to be able to say, no, you have to go deal with them right now. But again, that's a luxury that we can't afford. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, and one other point I want to make on uh, on this as far as in the poor environment is I think overall uh, your IT staff become more knowledgeable and industrious. I mean, they have to know these systems. They have to go and learn these technologies. And, uh, you know, as problems arise, they have to figure them out. So I, I think it just it creates a better, more knowledgeable IT staff. Um, you know, when you don't have that, that, you know, phone number to pick up and dial and, you know, you just, as an IT, uh, professional, if you've got that number that you're supposed to dial every time something goes wrong with something, you know, you're, you're not really exercising, uh, your brain at all. Uh, you're not really learning anything. Uh, so I gotta say that, you know, the, the techs in, in that situation are probably over time going to be better yeah don't name any names but off the top of your head how many different uh entities being school or businesses can you think of outside of us for whom we are the number that they call right they're the they're the 800 number people who don't actually have a number but they call they call our school to solve their problem with fog or with backup PC or something like that um, because they're in an environment where they have to be agile and they're not so they right. end up calling us. I mean, what, uh, twice a month at least we would get those calls from other schools, from other people um, wanting us to solve their problems for them? Yeah, and I mean, you got to look at it. You know, here I am. I'm a guy that, you know, what, just over three years ago had almost zero knowledge. And then three years later, working in that environment, uh, I've got people that have been doing it for 15, 20 years calling me asking how to fix something. Because their 800 number wasn't answering that day. Right. So uh, so overall, just, you know, and that's a principal thing, I guess, more than anything. But, you know, I've always believed that in any workplace environment, you should seek to, uh, you know, offer training opportunities for your staff and, you know, a, a place, an environment where your staff can grow professionally. And uh, I got to say, the poor side has has it uh, beat, you know, when it comes to that. And just to rub it a little more, no small percentage of those people making the phone call had the term doctor in front of their name, you know, and right. they were calling on us for help. Right. And, you know, and a large salary to go along with that. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, I guess that's about it. We beat that one to death. So. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, kind of getting towards the end here, uh, miscellaneous, uh, some interesting things I've seen on the rich side, uh, every classroom has a smart board and I'm talking smart with capital S the brand smart board. Uh, so not an interactive whiteboard, a right. smart board, right? And, uh, you know, they work great. I, I'll say that. I mean, uh, they're expensive, but 
and they're at least quality. They're kind of like Apple products, you know, you, you're going to pay a lot of money for them, but they do work. So, uh, I got to give them that. Uh, now, uh, I'll jump back and forth here a little bit because on the poor side, uh, we came up with a very affordable interactive whiteboard that as so far as I've seen right now is every bit as functional. I think the software is even better. I really do. Y- yeah, it, it might very well be. So, uh, I, I think, uh, that's kudos out to Hitachi that uh, built those starboard links. So we'll throw that out there. Yeah. Well, let's just, just talk about that a little bit. I don't, we don't make any money off of that. Hitachi, if you want to pay us some money, uh, my, my, I can be bought. My principles are for sale. Uh, but just, uh, <laughs> it's a tool called the starboard link and you can pick them up for $700 ish per, whereas a smart board, capital S, is going to run you 1500 to two grand at least. Um, and they attach to, they're just little reflective, um, bars with a, a infrared camera at the top that attach to any existing whiteboard. So every school you go into it has a whiteboard or a chalkboard, you know, something already. So these mount to that. Um, and in our situation, we had some issues where the the mounting that comes with it didn't quite work because we have a, like a corkboard strip at the top for, for pinning things on and, and it was interfering with the camera. So we cut a refrigerator box and use the cardboard to to uh, push it out from the board a little bit and stuck our own little magnetic strip. So for, you know, like six bucks more per, we were able to modify this to do things the way we want to do it. And like I said, it's all about the software. And we've used the, the smart software because we have a few of their devices and, and one of their things is if you buy one device, it comes with a site license for the software. So we've had, we've used the software and this Hitachi Starboard software is better. I'm just going to stop right there. It's better. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to qualify it. It's just better. So that's a case of uh, we were looking for something. We wanted to provide that functionality, but we just didn't have the budget. And I think sometimes when you have the budget, you stop looking and you stop trying to be innovative. You know, and there's that, that expression, fat and happy go together, right? There's no reason to be lean. Um, when, when you can afford to be fat. And so you go out and right. you buy what is impressive. The salesman who gives you the best pitch, you throw money at him instead of the tool that is the most effective way to spend your money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man, my soapbox is getting a good workout tonight. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on to the next item uh, in miscellaneous. Uh, there are Before we go there, Sean, what's a smart table? A smart table. You know, I saw these for the first time last year at the TCEA conference in Austin, and they are <laughs> – it's really funny because I had a chance to actually open one up. I had to work on one today, and it's a, it's a little table. I don't know. It's probably about uh, two feet by three feet. It's not very large. Uh, but it has uh, essentially it has a projector inside. It has a computer and a projector inside, and it runs the smart software. And so it's basically like a smart board, but it's on a, a tabletop, and it has kind of an uh, opaque white uh, tabletop that this projector projects. So it's a big iPad. Essentially, yeah. Uh, image quality is not near like an iPad. I mean, it's it's a projector image, and it's it's not even really as clear as if a projector was projecting like on a wall. Uh, but you know, it's pretty good. Uh, the one I worked on today was in a special ed classroom. So again, that one made complete sense to me. Uh, we only have, they're kind of just starting to really move into the district. So, uh, I'm only aware of like four or five of them, although there may be more. Uh, but that's something that on the poor side, I mean, you know, I put what's a smart table because, (laughs) It's just not anything we would even consider. Yeah, that's a waste uh, of a projector, if you ask me. Right. Uh, the, now, you know, again, in special ed, I could see it. Uh, I, I'm sure, I don't know, you know, kids in the in the younger classrooms, you know, it's a lot of times when you, you talk about these tools where it's about manipulating things, it, it makes more sense to be using them with the smaller kids that maybe are, you know, part of their education is working on motor skills. Right. 
so that when I see it used down, you know, probably, uh, I don't know, first, second grade and down and then with special ed kids, uh, totally makes sense to me. And that's great. Again, it's like you said, Mark, if you have the money, then great. Uh, now I will say that, uh, to my knowledge, uh, all of ours were purchased with federal grant funds. So, uh, and I'm finding out all kinds of fun stuff about that because. So listeners out there in the U S that's your tax dollars at work. Right. Right. And you know, the ones I've seen, I've got to say, uh, I'm, I'm seeing them being used right, but you know, that could be because, uh, you know, those federal dollars, there's a lot of stipulations as to where those things can be used. Um, you know, and I know, uh, that, you know, where ours are, you know, like if this, this particular one is being used in special ed, it cannot be moved. Right. You know, the, the, the principal of that campus can't look at it and say, you know, I want to move that into the first grade classroom. Nope. Cannot do it. So, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, and then the last item in miscellaneous would be just interwrite tablets and CPS systems, uh, which, uh, CPS, if you don't know, is a classroom response system. So I don't, I put CPS system. What was that? Classroom. Maybe it's CRS. We always refer to them as CPS. No, it is anyway. CPS. I forget what the, I forget what the P stands for, but basically it's, it's a, a way of, of answering questions without raising your hand. Right. Right. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have seen them out there and it's pretty cool. You know, you get instant feedback and things, but, you know, now you can do the same thing with cell phones. So, uh, you know, CPS systems, you know, like middle school and high school and above are kind of becoming obsolete now because all those kids have cell phones and teachers know how to uh, get them onto a website and get that information anyway. So classroom performance system. Thank you, Google. Ah. Okay, there we go. I knew I knew CPS was right, but I I, I couldn't recall what it was. Uh, it's not it child stood. protective services. That's different, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I'm gonna say you know those are far from widespread on the rich side. Uh, they are out there, but I I think they're kind of uh, almost to the rich district. Those are kind of almost already relics. You know, they're already looking onto the all the eye devices, and you know, why am I going to buy an interite board or a, a, a CPS system uh, when I what I really want is that iPad? And and I agree with that. I think those are relics of limited use, but in our district, the teachers really like them, and they're not expensive. So why not use that? You know, there you can buy a class for. Uh, set up for a class of 30 for the cost of a couple of iPads. Right, right. Yeah, and I, you know, on the poor side, I don't have any any problem with that. Uh, I, You know, what I noticed there was there's a higher ratio of those devices, but they're being used effectively. And again, I think that just comes down to, you know, pure dollars. Uh, you know, you do what you can, so... Uh, so, uh, I guess it's time to wrap this up. So my overall impressions, uh, the rich environment is exposing students to a wider variety of technology, but, uh, those, those same kids don't get to use it nearly as much throughout the day. So, you know, and the poorer environment, the kids have more access to technology and they're using it more regularly through their day. Uh, so on the smaller side, uh, and again, just in my experience at the, at the one, the one school, but you know, the way that we ran things, kids were on technology all day long. You know, Google docs was how work was done. Uh, and I really like that. You know, the technology is the new pencil and, uh, and kids are using it all day long. And that's, you know, that really mirrors what they're, lives are going to be like anyway. So uh, I like the fact that on the poor side, the technology is just, you know, is just part of their lives. Uh, on the rich side, they're getting to experience more technology and there are some pluses to that. You know, they're, they're getting a wider variety, but they don't spend nearly as much time on it. Uh, one quick story about that. We had a, a substitute come to our middle school uh, and was in, uh, in, our high school, as we've talked about before, we're one to one there. Every every student has a desktop. In our middle school, we're uh, roughly half one to one. We're on our way to f saturating that. And this teacher was in one of those one to one classrooms, 
And at the end of the period or day or whatever it was, she said, okay, now I need you to hand in your homework. Um, you know, how, how do you do that? Do you, do you print that or you hand it out, whatever? And, and one of the students said, we, we don't use paper. I said, what, what do you mean you don't use paper? We don't use paper. We just share our Google Docs with the teacher and she grades it that way. And, and to that, you know, what, 12-year-old middle school student, that was perfectly normal. That was the way things are supposed to be done. You know, why, right. use, why use ink? What's the point of, of using a dead tree when we, we just use the tech? And so I think that illustrates what you're saying uh, is we have probably less sophisticated tech, but it is more integrated into their entire process of, of learning and, and activity throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I also want to make a point that's kind of along those same lines, but uh, in the poor environment, the tech is more focused on the students. Uh, so a lot more of that technology is in the students' hands and, uh, you know, a lot more emphasis is placed on making sure that the kids get the technology. Uh, in the richer environment, a lot more of that technology is going to administrative staff and teachers. Uh, so now on the teacher side, I definitely see a positive there because the teacher is using that in their instruction and it's a tool for instruction. So there's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but uh, I guess, you know, that's a decision that everybody has to make on their own. You know, what's more important to them. Uh, I struggle with that because there, there's, you know, positives to both sides of that equation. Um, you know, uh, people, I, I guess it's, it's more a matter of, you know, what their philosophy is. Is it more important to, uh, you know, te teach the subject matter and do it effectively? Or is it more important to have the technology in the kids' hands and have them, you know, learning basically to use the technology? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Well, my philosophy from the beginning has always been that the the students get the tools the teachers get what they need after the students get it, and the administration comes last. And I'm lucky enough to work in a district where the administrators are on board with that. But our oldest uh, conquers of, of, of computers and laptops are in the hands of the principals and the superintendent because we're, we're not spending the money on them. We're spending the money on the students. And that is sort of the whole purpose of a school, right, is the students. So students comes first, teachers come second, admin comes last and and i come third you know it's it's the the maserati mechanic who drives a beat up vw that's that's kind of the way i am we, uh, we in our tech department get the dregs the leftover stuff that we can keep running uh because it's it's i'm not going to waste that money i'm not one of those guys who's going to go out and buy you know a brand new macbook pro just for me and sacrifice um a student experience for that yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I just, I do struggle with, you know, money, uh, some money spent in, you know, putting technology in the teacher's hands can be extremely valuable too. You know, if the teacher's using that stuff effectively. And of course we, we did take that into account, you know, there, when I was working with you, Mark, you know, if, if it was truly, if a teacher could really show us how it was going to be, make their instruction that much more effective, then that became a priority. Right, right. And that's the, that's the thing. Show us your plan. Show us what you're going to do with it. Show us the lesson plans you've worked out. Then I will break my back to get you what you want. But it kills me when I see uh, people posting on email listservs, we just bought 500 iPads. Anybody know how we can use them? You know, that's that's totally bass backwards. The idea right. is is to know what you're going to do first, then go purchase to fill your 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 plan. Right. So uh, the last point here is, uh, you know, I just I kind of have to wonder how much money is really being wasted on the rich side. Uh, and it kind of gets to your very last point there, Mark, is I don't know that you know, everybody out there is really effectively doing the homework on the front side before they make some of these decisions. Uh, I think if they really did and if they were really uh, good stewards of of the public money, that uh, they might do things a little bit differently. Okay. 
I think yeah. that's a good place to stop. So yeah. we'll move on to the tips of the week. Uh, and my, I do have a tech tip this week. See, I, I, I ran out last week. I've uh, stocked up for at least another week or two. You know, so oh, good. As long as I can stay a week ahead, I'm okay, right? Yeah. And this one yeah. actually uh, comes courtesy of uh, Podnuts. And, and this I heard it on one of their shows. It was not a tool I was familiar with. It's called WinFF. And it's a, it's a graphical user, user interface for the FFmpeg library. Anybody in the Linux world knows that FFmpeg is the Swiss army knife of video and audio manipulations. Uh, and there, there are windows, the library, that library is imported to Windows and, and Mac as well, I believe. Uh, but it's a command line and there's not a lot of GUI tools for it. And as far as I know, there, there wasn't anything on Windows. But this tool, winff. Uh, uh, the website is winff.org, but it's it's winff is a great tool for simply converting things. Uh, it's got you know uh, lots of presets. So you say I've got this file here, and I want to format it to play on um, uh, an iPad. You click the iPad button and go, and you don't have to worry about codecs. You don't have to worry about frame rates. You don't have to worry about uh, aspect ratios. All that stuff is set in there. It's it's really simple. And um, it doesn't really do any of the work. The FFmpeg library does all the work, but it just makes it pretty. So that's WinFF. Go check it out. It's uh, I would say it's it's teacher approved. So is that kind of like uh, I I know this isn't an exact uh, comparison, but kind of like a Format Factory on the Windows side. You it's know, much where you get simpler. Nice- it's much simpler than Format Factory or Handbrake or Format Oz or any of those things that we've talked about before. It's just a really point and click. I do one thing and I do it well. Interface. All right. Well, uh, I'll jump in with the teacher tip of the week, and it is. Uh, I don't even know how to call this. Uh, BCS.BedfordMartins.com. Uh, what this site is, is I what just it is, it. is yeah, what it is. I haven't done that in a while. I was no. getting pretty good at avoiding that. Because I always crucify you when you do. Yeah. <laughs> this teacher tip is <laughs> uh, it's a great source of authoritative research material, and it's broken down by discipline. So uh, let me just pop over to it here. It's got it broken down into four major disciplines, humanities, social sciences, history, and then sciences. Uh, but uh, you can go into any of these, and it's just a, a collection of really kind of what's best out there on the web. So uh, I know teachers always uh, are concerned with that when they uh, have their students researching things online, and they usually have to have a period of instruction on that is, you know, how much bad stuff is out there. And uh, this site seems to have done a really good job of kind of going out and, and grabbing the good stuff. Uh, so go check it out. Uh Let's see here. It, it's got one of those great titles, Research and Documentation Online 5th Edition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the link is not any better. So uh, just if you need a good research site, uh, something that you, you might feel a little bit more comfortable pointing your students towards, uh, go to elementopi.com. Uh, pull up the show note or the, sh- the show notes for this show, and we'll have the link there for you. It's, it's the RADO 5, Research and Documentation Online, RADO 5. I just I just dubbed it that. Okay. <laughs> it's like the, the That's better than what they called it. <laughs> yeah, if you're uh, in the medical field at all or in the psychology it's the the diagnostic and statistical manual uh DSM 3 4 5 I don't know what they're up to now when I when I got my degree it was the DSM 3R. So yeah, this is the RADO 5. Yeah. That's I just yeah. have officially dubbed it that. <laughs> Not that anybody cares, but by golly, that's what it is. Right, right. Well, uh, I guess it's uh, it's about time to uh, start winding this thing down, right, Mark? That's right. So you already mentioned uh, where you can find all sorts of goodness, elementopi.com, uh, where you can find forums there, where you can uh, sign up to be one of our listener spotlights. So if you want the spotlight shined upon you, uh, you can uh, jump in the forums there. Or if you want to see all of our tips of the week, because Sean religiously goes up every week and updates that forum <laughs> post, and it's up to the second of all the tips that we've ever done. So there's a forum there for tips of the week. I'm going to make you eat that. those words someday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know ex- when. By actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Might not be this year, but yeah. I, see, I didn't say you didn't. See, I was I was giving you all sorts of credit. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter, Facebook. Just type the words Element and Opie together, and you're going to find us. Also, you can leave us a voicemail. Our phone number is five five nine. I am Opie, O P I E, or just go onto our website. Use the call us widget and uh, enter your phone number and your name if you want to. That's not even necessary. And Google Voice will call you, and you can leave us a, a, a message, and, and we will play it on the show. So I right. think that is about it. So, Sean, was this a good show? No, this was a great was show. a great show. Of course, you did most of the content, so you would say it is a great show. <laughs> right. This, this might be the best show we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And so for this week, this is Mark signing off. And Sean saying, Go Rangers. Ha, 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 ha.